We are back with another edition of Smart Driving Cars. Thanks for spending time with us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. This has been a trying week for you and the family to wrap up a trying year, I suppose, in the AV industry. Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, we got COVID, uh, but it's over. And guess what? <laughs> it really wasn't very bad, but, you know, who knows? Whatever. Move on. And and you're still punching here with us. So. Yeah, we're still punching. They thought they were going to, you know, four years ago, they were going to get me with uh with Legionnaire's disease, and they missed just barely, though. Oh, had me for a while. And now, this time, they tried with COVID. I thought it was over. <laughs> Not by a long shot. So to wrap up another year with us is publisher of The Dispatcher, consultant and co-author with Alan of the very soon available book, The Real Case for Driverless Mobility, Michael Senna from Sweden. Hi, from Sweden, Alan. Yep, it's getting dark here. <laughs> already oh yeah already <laughs> yes but days are getting longer oh, oh eventually yes they will no, they are they are they are I mean, we're going to be wrapping up the year with a look back and a peek ahead uh michael first uh, give us a little bit of an update on the book well the um the book as of yesterday but continuing until the beginning of the of next week is in final edit and final, final edit. So we've gone through three versions of uh, of the book, the copy since we submitted it uh, back in May, uh, the original copy. Um, so we should be seeing books in our mailboxes. Alan and, and I will be getting a copy sent to us, hopefully within the next, within the next month. And uh, then it's available for anyone who'd like to by an ebook version or a an actual printed version it's it's uh it's possible to do to do either uh it covers i think it covers the subject we've talked a lot about it in our previous um sessions with you fred and i think yeah i've i've read it now three times and <laughs> from start to finish and it's not something that i often do with with uh, with books that i've that i've been involved in or, or long articles but um yeah i think i think it it it, it tells the story that that alan has been telling for quite a long time and that alan and i have been discussing for for at least the last three years when we began putting the book together so i'm um, i'm hoping that we're going to get uh, a good number of people reading it and then have discussions with those folks Alan, some comments here? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the other comment is is that uh, we were also set up to do an audio version with you, Fred, and um, you uh, basically reading it to people, and we'll figure out a way to make that available and so on so that uh, those of the, that wish to, to hear your presentation um, uh, will be out there. And, and it it continues to surprise all of us. Michael, me, you. Uh, th this is different, and it, it it is amazing as I go to conference to conference, listen to this, to this, read this, and this, and that, and so on, and everywhere. Um, um, how the perception of this is the boat's being missed, 
and it's 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 kind of a shame and 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 it's a, it's a shame for the technology because because i think if if the technology and we'll discuss this a little bit i guess today if the technology continues along the the direction that it's continuing now um yeah, all of our cars that we drive are going to become a heck of a lot better. We've said that. We've said that initially. That was the, that was the trivial aspect of the of of the, the the success of this technology. That in fact, yes, it will make our cars that we drive a heck of a lot safer, and we'll be happier when we're riding in them and driving in them. But the fact that it's going to give us rides. And we're not going to do anything, which is what happens when you're given a ride. To do that, the, the way this this the people have been going on it, uh, they haven't gotten out of the starting block. They've done nothing but trip over themselves, and 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 it's because they haven't pitched it to the, to the right market. Uh, and it's amazing they they pitched at the market of people who give themselves rides as opposed to the people who, who need a ride or who want to get a ride, who really want to get a ride. And 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 it being given a ride is a whole lot different than giving yourself a ride. And I know it's probably my fault, my you know, fifty plus years of trying to teach this stuff to students, I, I haven't emphasized that enough. And 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 you know, and people call have called it giving a ride, getting a ride, mass transit. Yes, it is mass transit. Mass transit gives you a ride. Unfortunately, nobody the connotations that are put on mass transit is that oh my goodness, it's this public thing that that everywhere in the world, essentially everywhere in the world, is so heavily subsidized. And this public thing and this public good and then has been put to get that subsidy in this other category of perception of thing. And then, of course, it's who, whatever, and who knows what. And then here comes something that, in fact, could be maybe giving rides and not requiring all that subsidy. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, I'm sure. And and. And and this is this could be really good, but nobody nobody sees it as that. Is this another you know public subsidy thing for you know I don't know. It, it's it's just it's a turmoil in my mind. I think that the book lets people think about this differently, and and take a fresh look at all this. As to what the heck it is we're all trying to achieve here, which is improvement of people's quality of life. What it's all about. So let's get into the highlights of 2023. And it all ties in with what you've been saying, I think. Uh, number one on, on your list here, Helen, is the start of driverless revenue service. Absolutely fantastic. You know, 2023 should go out as a flashing headline actually doing it i mean actually having two companies go out there basically bet the ranch 
that the sucker's going to work and go out there and do it with as best as I could tell, and maybe I'm the naive one here, without a bunch of smoke and mirrors and magic and Houdini's whatevers and just just doing it, you know, Nikeing it, just doing it, going out there and giving people rides in a way that each one of those rides did not have associated with it a human to make it happen, watching over it precisely whatever, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> sure, there were humans involved, just like there are humans involved in the World Wide Web. The World Wide Web really has humans involved in the process. But there's not a human involved in each one of the World Wide Web interactions. And so you got network scale out of it. And you got what we have here with the World Wide Web. Because we were mm. able to remove, make it so damn efficient to remove that human involvement that otherwise needs to be required. And if you have the human involvement, the implication is that the human has to be paid. And so why is the World Wide Web so darn efficient? It's because it doesn't have that much human involvement. And here, finally, the opportunity to do that in places other when you got a gazillion people going from two points. If you got a gazillion people going from two points and you only need one individual, then um, then you have then you have this network, this scale efficiency. But all of a sudden, if you need to have an individual involved in each one, then you got to be a rich guy. You can equate it, I suppose, Alan, to the, you know, most of our audience is probably too young to remember even the stories. Lily Tomlin playing the operator had to connect every call, plugging in a, yeah. every time there was a connection on the phone in the old <laughs> bell system. Watch, watch some Saturday Night Live reruns right. of yeah. that, okay? I, I I know, I think a lot of our, of your listeners, um, Smart Driving Cars uh, podcast, are old enough who have either seen it firsthand or have seen it as as reruns and, and and as Alan was talking you know especially using his fingers that was the first thing i thought of um this is one of those this this is one of those points where Alan and i truly do disagree and it, it's it's good that you had two points of view that are are coming together in this book because when whenever I was writing something that was that I on my own in my newsletter I would have said never in a million years would I have anybody out on the street whether they're taking money or not taking money doing this before it was proved that it could work and Alan has had the opposite point of view and we've had many discussions and so in the book we have 
these types of, of discussions? Should you be out there proving the technology, which is that that's the only thing they've been doing. They have never even come close to, to doing a market proof of market. The only thing they're doing is proof of, of concept that you can have a vehicle without a driver at, behind a steering wheel without following any other courses of, of action that, that would be necessary to take over the vehicle because you've got somebody in the back seat who's a, who's a rider and nobody in the front seat whatsoever. I would never have that. I would never allow that to be done in my state, my city, or anywhere. That that's, and I, and I think I've given enough reasons for why that should not happen. And I think the things that we're seeing right now are are an indication, not 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 a verification, but an indication that that view that we shouldn't be having cars out there, at least in in not in numbers. You know, maybe one here and there, but in numbers, they've had 100 cars out there at one time running around the city and, and getting themselves in trouble. They have, you know, this the, the last accident that occurred, it wasn't Cruz's fault. Somebody hit someone, it went into a cruise vehicle. Cruz didn't start the whole thing, but they're taking the heat. Apparently, they still haven't gotten the person who, who caused the accident, and we still don't know how how with the state of the of the person, the woman who was hit, how how she is, healthy or not. In any case, there have been enough incidents that have occurred. There's no reason for for taking people's money in this in this situation. There's absolutely no reason because they weren't proving a market. The market is not running a taxi business and neither one of these two companies, Cruise nor Waymo, are going to be in the taxi business. And I'll, you know, I'll stand I'll stand by that statement. They should be, they should have been doing the kinds of things that were necessary to ensure that the systems were working perfectly. And at the same time, they should be have been looking and working with companies, cities to develop the business side. And that's the part that's missing. And that's why people you know, they, they shake their head and say, you know, why are they doing this anyway? What What's the point? We don't need driverless cars. You know, we're, you know, they're bad enough as they are. Yes, uh, uh, Michael, of course. But everything in this world has a trade-off. And one has to look at, okay, what's the risk? And I agree with you. Uh, you know, when you're out there betting the ranch that the thing's going to work, that implies that you think that the probability of anything bad happening is so darn low that it's worth the risk. And because, hey, you know, getting to absolute zero is, you know, forget about it on anything, okay? But to get to that point, and, and, the, and the, the real fault that will get I guess to all of this is that is that where they've been tried to prove that in fact the risk is extremely small is in situation in which you have to roll your eyes and say what the heck's the value that's being delivered for the taking of that risk the reward what is the reward yeah exactly. what are they going after 
What mm-hmm. the hell? Are they just out there saying, who look at me, how good I am. I did it. I went down the curviest road in the world. Okay, great. Who the hell wants to go down the curviest road? I mean, you know, what are you doing here? And and so and so I think to me the the beauty of the book is that we try to say, okay, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. What is it that we're trying to do with this? If we look at the World Wide Web or any of the other the telephone or any of the other things that we've tried to make it so that in fact because we make it so darn inexpensive and so darn good, probably has some bad associated with it too, that it opens that up to improve the quality of life of, of so many people that of course any risk that's associated with it is worth the, is, is, is worth it given the value. Nobody can sit here and argue, I don't believe, that that the car is not something we should have because a few or even 1.25 million people or whatever it is per year die because of it. Mm-hmm. But there are the people value proposition of the personal automobile over the past 100 plus years, cut it out, it's not even close. There have been gazillion books about it, how bad it is and the pollution and do da da be da da do da 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 and what people continue to go down to their dealers and buy them. Why? Because yep. if you can at the price and the efficiency and the point that they've been put out there, they they're worth the risk. The market tells us that every day, every day. Okay. <clears throat> And so the issue here is, is that the reason, part of the reason why I think it, you know, 2023 is such a big year for this, at least some folks too decided, my goodness, the risk is good enough for whatever it was that they were trying to prove on it. But for some of us say, my goodness, if that's what you were trying to prove on it, guess what? You may deserve what you got because we'll get to, you know, the downsides of what happened to 2023. That's the way I see this thing. My course is down. I'm not going to beat it anymore. Okay. (laughs) Number two on your list, Alan, uh, demise of the wannabes. We're talking about uh, at least a couple of companies here. Yeah, I mean, that's the number two things that happened. You know, I guess Ford Argo and, you know, people like Too Simple and so on. There are a lot of folks out here that, that you know, have, have gone out there trying to do some of this stuff. Hmm. As far as I know, not for any of the good reasons, or maybe for some good reasons, but the, the good reasons you sort of have to roll your eyes on is what the what the heck the the value proposition was supposed to be, and finding it that it this is not easy, because if it was easy, it would have been done years ago. In what in 1957, you know, across the street from Princeton University, across Route One and Sarnoff, there was a test track back there that they were running, you know, 
um, lateral steering cars and could do cruise control and in, in a test track at, at Sarnoff. Okay, you know that's that's over a half a century ago. Okay, we we could do this. Uh, you know that this has not been easy, and some people were still out there, you know, trying to whatever and weren't uh, didn't roll up their sleeves far enough. And good, okay, because because the smoke and mirrors in the end aren't going to work, okay. And if you're using smoke and mirrors, please um, move aside. Michael, some thoughts? Yeah, the 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 term wannabes, I think, is a it's 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 a little bit strong. I think the people from people working at Argo had a great deal of of um, knowledge. Uh, they've put together a lot of experience. They were bought by two companies who didn't seem to have very much intention of of using what they were doing. Their Volkswagen and Ford seemed to be in this marriage around uh, Argo by for the purpose of seeing if they could their teams could work together and possibly you know expand their cooperation one one to the other. So Argo kind of got used for that purpose, and then you know when when it didn't turn out that they were going to be able to generate any revenue and and particularly Ford needed needed to have more revenue. Um, they just disbanded them. The, the other companies, you know, too simple. Again, a number of people can get, get into the business. I think of, of um, uh, Nicola. You know, that's that's one one company that I've, I've written about them three, I think three times in, in the dispatcher and I'll be writing about them again in the February issue. I mean, people who say that I'm, there's money that, that can be made here. There's money on the table. I just need to go out there and say that I'm going to build the world's first, first electric truck and, um, you know, sue, sue Tesla for, for copying their, uh, their designs in the, in the cyber truck and, you know, making a big deal. And then, you know, Mr. Milton is going to jail for four years. And I mean, unless his, his, um, objection comes back and say, you know, you aren't guilty after all. So, <laughs> Wherever there's money, wherever there are people who are, 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 can you know, see the possibility of getting some some venture capital around an idea that that you know seems compelling, we're going to have these companies. And it's, you know, I, I I wouldn't put Argo in, in the same category as let's say Too Simple, but no, uh, no. you know, it's an it's it's unfortunate they fall by the wayside. But one thing I I you know I I really hope that uh, Kyle Volk, Volk finds a place where he can take all the experience that he's, that he's put together over the last 20 or more years, even when he was a kid, before he went into, went to college. Um, should have finished, by the way. Um, to be able to use that knowledge to, to somewhere uh, other than in an organization like General Motors. And that's where I think the, the the real problem is not in the in the folks who are trying to do something. It's in it's in where this is going to go, and eventually they're going to build the cars. General Motors and Ford and Volkswagen, you know, th there aren't many Teslas back there who are going to start from scratch and start you know pumping out vehicles. It's going to be the the legacy car companies, whether they're Chinese or European or or wherever they're or or U.S. based. They're the ones who are going to be building these these cars, and that's where I think the the 
lack of engagement, the lack of involvement. And I, we address that in chapter six in the, in the, um, in the book. You know, how, how are these, what's the business? And it's, it, it's three businesses. It's not just one business. It's going to, somebody's got to operate it. Somebody's got to develop it, the, the hardware and the soft software for it. And someone's got to build the vehicles. Uh, and these things, all of these things have to come together. And right now we've been focusing on the Waymo doing it all and the, and the Argo doing it all and the, and the, the uh, crews doing it all. And that's not, that's not what's going to happen. Well, Waymo has not been building vehicles. I don't believe, right? No. Um, and, and I mean, this is, this is in the last discussion we have, this is the one thing that we know they've said, we're not going to do this, but if they don't do it, you know, how does it happen? And I mean, no one is really addressing this thing. Who's going to, you know, well, we're going to do one, one agreement with, with Geely Zeker, for example. Well, that's not going to be, I mean, Zeker could go out of business tomorrow. Julie can decide, you know, too much investment in this. They can sell it. All kinds of things can happen. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to build your farm on land that you don't, you don't own, or you can't even lease. My grandparents did that, you know, 400 ancestors did that and see where it got them. Um, so, no, no. This, is, this has been a challenge, I think, that we pointed out since the beginning. Because uh, the issue is, is that this is a, a new, this is in some sense a new market. I'll, I'll, I'll back off on that new market or in a minute. But, but we here we have some legacy systems who do what they sell mobility by 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 manufacturing very efficiently a product that comes out at a unit cost that ends up being affordable this is what henry does and a purchase by many and the business model is is that you purchase it you own it it's not your problem. And the two processes have worked where that where there's a producer enormously efficient in making that so that it becomes affordable, but then throws it over the wall to a consumer who then takes it and basically goes on and that's their responsibility. Sure, there continues to be maintenance and all sorts of interactions and so on, but it's minor. The, the main manufacturing process is associated with making it enormously efficient and throwing it over the wall. And in some sense, just like I get from Mercedes, oh my goodness, I can trade my new Mercedes in that I bought last year for a new one. And they'll give me, you know, who knows what small percentage of the purchase price is trade in, but they want me to get back in so they can, they can throw another one over the wall to me. Okay. That's, that, that's great okay it, the two have been de designed all right whereas what this process or at least what we've been arguing about this process of giving rides is you're out there giving rides and that's a whole bunch of and if you're going to be in the in the process of delivering those rides you're going to throw a bunch of rides around gazillions of them every day to get caught and you're going to just make a little bit of money on each one of them you know it's completely different than making a process of manufacturing very efficient such that that is very cheap and then throwing it over the wall. It's like, it's like TV today. Look at where TV is today or has been. 
television has been in a process of being very efficient and making a bunch of programs and throwing them over the wall as we watch them every week or as we watch them on more and more TV. And then all of a sudden, streaming comes along. That's a whole different process in which now the purchaser is buying by the stream or potentially by the stream. Not signing up already. And then you, you look at what NBC and all these folks have been going on with, with respect to creating peacocks and who knows what else. And and the whole difference in, in, in what, how they have to do to, to bundle to make programming efficient so that they get advertising for the whole program and product placement for the whole program as opposed to now some people are now forget about me signing up to get these things like thrown efficiently at, at your rate over the wall. I'm going to go out and pick my own. I'm going to take my ride here, my ride there, my ride there, my ride there, my ride there. And then if you look at the at the revenue proposition on streaming versus versus cable or any of the other means that you have doing this, those two things have been in just enormous conflict for the past 10 years. And, and and everybody's forecasting streaming to go completely, uh, but nobody's sort of for, uh, figured out how to how to how to price that, how to do that, and how to compare it to the legacy programming that all these and that's why the whole turmoil is and all that. And who knows where that's going to end up? Guess what? I think that the you know that's a perfect parallel to what the heck's happening in the rides business. Right now, rides are being given by people who go out and buy a car, okay? And there are 3% of them in the U.S. that are give, done by mass transit systems that are, you know, fledgling fledgling streaming operations over here. But now, those I think those fledgling streaming operations, if they could ever see it, all of a sudden has the opportunity for them to be able to... <laughs> completely decimate the other one maybe none of them are taking advantage of it why because well yeah you know because it's automation and the people that work for them are afraid they're going to get laid off and therefore they don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole and they don't want to get anywhere near it so is there some new operation that's going to come in and be able to do that and take advantage of that? Really, if if it is, if it then, who knows? And I guess, you know, in part, that's what the book tries to deal with, with that tension. But there is this opportunity and there are a lot of folks that even different than streaming. I don't know in streaming whether there's an opportunity for a different market. Well, of course, there has been so far. You know, who was who of the of the younger generation, you know, of the, the the 10 through 18 year olds were ever watching any of the programs that were being put on by CBS and NBC and, you know, in the evening. Oh, my goodness. They wouldn't be caught dead watching any of that crap. And all of a sudden, maybe now they're on their devices looking. And that's the reason why streaming is going nuts. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing that sucker out as a as a potential comparison as to the fundamentally different market there is between giving yourself a ride and getting a ride.
Okay. And that's what we've tried to put out in the book. There's a fundamental difference. And, you know, getting a ride has not been easy for people. Well, it has been easy for people, some people, those people that have family members who, you know, no problem giving you a ride. But if you don't have a family member who's can give you a ride, then you're out there looking for a ride. And when you're looking for a ride, guess what? You're staying home. I don't know. Whatever. We throw it out there. <laughs> Michael? Yeah. <clears throat> is this is a, again, this is another another area where we have different points of view. I'm waving to a neighbor who's walking outside. Um, <laughs> we have different different views on this. I look at I look at a vehicle and I see a vehicle something that is designed, that's manufactured, and that is used. Today, a large percentage of the cars that are manufactured, cars now, passenger vehicles, a large percentage are actually fleet vehicles. They're vehicles that are used by companies who buy them and to use them for, for business purposes. They're companies who buy them that are used to give rides. They're called taxis. There are, there are companies who operate vehicles for emergencies, for police. There's a large number of cars that are already produced, either designed for specific uses. And those, those vehicles are mostly, not all, Greyhounds aren't produced by, well, actually they, they may be, but they, they could be produced by General Motors or Ford at, at you know the yellow buses in the in the United States they're produced by Ford and and a couple of others, but most of those cars are manufactured by companies who know how to manufacture. They have the capabilities to manufacture them. There are vehicles that are produced by a company called Oshkosh. Some of those vehicles are are army vehicles, but a lot of them are are just vehicles that are used for heavy heavy duty purposes like going into mines and all all that stuff. So there's a large percentage of vehicles that are already produced for specific applications. 80%, 90%, whatever that number is outside of New York City of the of the trips that people make today are made with their personal automobiles. They buy cars because they're the most convenient and the most efficient and the most cost-effective means for an individual who can afford it to do what they need to do, to put the, the daily puzzled pieces together, go to bed and know that tomorrow I can get up, take my kids to school or take myself to work or do whatever I need to do, take mom to the, to the, to the hospital, everything that I need to do. I know I can do that. I'm going to invest in it. And, and you know that'll be it. I can have the car for two years. I can have it for 10 years like I do with my cars. It, it doesn't matter. It's the most efficient way to do it. What we and, and this whole business of comparing rides to internet usage to streaming, the the the, the, the mobility as a service group, you know, the, <laughs> mobility is a service. It's been it's always been a service. We either give it to ourselves, or we give it to other people, or it's given given to us. It was a it was a you know. 
like streaming. Okay, well, you know, they did it here. We can do it here, and everybody's going to be nobody's going to own a car, and everybody's going to be you know mobility as a service. And you're going to every car company worth its salt has tried that, and they're all they've laid down all of their business plans in that area because it just hasn't worked from Volvo to to Ford and GM and all of these companies because people continue to want to buy their own cars or and if they can't afford a car that they'd like to have then they'll go into a lease which is a very ineffective financially ineffective way of owning a car but it's basically the same way so somebody else owns the car for you what we are trying to talk about here isn't anything that, that's been done before except comparing it to a bus it's providing rides to people but doing it in a, in a more effective, efficient, and flexible way than buses have been able to do. It's like taxis, but taxis are too expensive for the one reason is they have to be able to pay the driver. So it is a completely new area here, a completely new business, but the infrastructure for delivering those cars, having them manufactured, isn't going to be something that's going to drop out of the stratosphere. It's not going to be something completely new. If you look at a new car company, Tesla, what are they doing that's new? Okay, they were going to sell it on the internet only. They weren't going to have any advertising. They weren't going to have any 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 repair shops. They weren't going to have any of this. Gradually, they've got all of this stuff. Why? Because that's what people expect. The car breaks down. It costs twenty cost two thousand five hundred dollars per year to maintain to maintain a Tesla. I just got the numbers the other day. It's about fifty percent more for an X and it's about fifty percent less for a for a Y, but it's it's not zero. And those cars have to be taken somewhere. And by the way, if you're living in Sweden, there ain't no place to take those cars today because all the places are on strike. But I'm not going to go there. <laughs> All I'm saying is there's a structure, there's an industry. There are people who are in the business of doing this. What we need is to have a transit company say, we're not going to run buses anymore because they don't really do the job. We're going to buy lots of cars that can drive themselves because it's going to be cheap. And we're going to get all of our people living in our community, whether it's Trenton or Scranton or Timbuktu, and we're going to be able to get them everywhere they need to go. Yeah, that's what that's basically that's basically what we're saying. We're saying this yeah. is this is a tool for them. Our our challenge has been is that is that those folks are saying uh, we're not man. They'll strike. They'll do 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 us what 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 Sweden is trying to do to Tesla. We're striking those suckers. We're not going to let the sucker operate, which is which which says hey, you know, if you do that. You're not just going to carry New Jersey Transit. You're still going to have all your train customers. You're, you're instead of car carrying four percent of the trips in, in New Jersey, you're going to do five percent, six, eight, 20, ten, 50, twelve, fifteen, twenty, maybe even twenty-five percent. It's a market. Okay? You that do twenty-five percent. You, you, you. All of a sudden, some people who are buying cars are going to say, "Whoops." Do I need eight? No, I, I only believe... need seven of them. Do I yeah, need four? I... No, I only need three. Do I need three? No, I do I need two? Or maybe I'll still buy those suckers and I'll just let them sit around even. Or maybe I'll even go to, go to a few more places that I enjoy going. And uh, who knows what 
that does to the economy of New Jersey and allows Atlantic City to be a little bit whatever better and, and Newark and everybody. And all of a sudden the people there, and that's all positive. And nobody's, and, and the pickup of that dynamic has not been there. And that's one of the travesties of 2023. I guess we might as well get to it. Right. The, the because, next category because the was travesty of 2023 <laughs> is, is in the places, in at least one of the places, that these two folks who bet the ranch and said, hey, we think we got this sucker nailed. We think we can do this safely. We think in our looking, we we are good. We're going to go out there and try this. And they 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 made it available to folks who said, "Oh, I'll take a selfie," and then say, "Why?" And they didn't go to folks who said, "Oh my goodness, this is going to improve my life." Oh, I'm not just going to take it today. I'm going to take it tomorrow too. Oh, I didn't even think of a Tesla. I didn't even notice he had LIDAR, SMIDARs, WIDARs all over it. You got me from where I want, want, where I was to where I wanted to go, when I wanted to go, and you didn't you didn't rip me off. And you did it in a way that that I just, you know, went there, got there, forgot about you. And then I thought, oh my goodness, that was nice. They didn't do that. Elizabeth and I went, we were skiing in Park City. We we're talking to this guy from, from Phoenix and, and said, I tried to have a conversation. Hey, how's, how's Waymo and Phoenix? I wouldn't take them. Why? Well, of course, he's skiing in Park City with us. He, he probably has Lambos, Schlambos all over the place. Why would he? Okay. Of course not. But I can't believe that there aren't people in Phoenix who could have gotten to the doctor, who could have gotten across town to shoot hoops with a friend, who could have visited somebody, who could have who could have just had a nice day. Why? Because because this thing was available to them to, you know, because we don't have all the plugging in going into telephone calls. How many more telephone calls do we make every day just to improve our quality of life? I mean, people are walking around down and walking down the street, talking on the phone. I've called Elizabeth in the house. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine calling somebody in the house on the phone? Why? Because it was made so easy, so cheap, cheap, that it was easy to do and improve my quality of life. And didn't cost the environment gazillion. That's that's what a disruptive technology can do. That's what it's demonstrated to do. It can do a couple big things, but it's all the small things. Look at all the small things that a car has enabled us to do. Which people say, why are they going there? They shouldn't create all that congestion. That's terrible. All the environment, whatever. So one of, <laughs> one of your lessons learned here, uh, I guess we could uh, 
bring up Tony Bennett to sing for us and don't leave your heart in San Francisco. I mean, look, it, it's such a shame. It is such a shame. I mean, the recent article about about GM complaining that they're being fined uh, or taxed $108 million by San Francisco because of their cruise operation, when they're saying, look, we only had a few employees in San Francisco and we we didn't make any money there. How can you be taxing us as, as, as much? Somebody has to look at that and say, San Francisco... Who? We need money. Who are we going to get money from? Oh, let's go get money from GM. Let's tax them. Oh, okay, sure. Why should we tax them? Well, I don't know. Let's tax them. Okay, fine, tax them. And then GM saying, oh, my goodness, why did you tax us? We didn't do anything there. But, but GM, gee, you were producing a mobility system that was that that had the opportunity to improve the quality of life of San Franciscans to get them from A to B. And that if if San Francisco look, you look at who who do you which organization do you have there that you like trying to produce mobility to get people from A to B at time T? oh, we have a San Francisco municipal transit system or something like that, okay? Oh, okay, yeah, and you do that to be able to get people from A to B when they want to go and, and, you know, around San Francisco. Yeah, okay, and, and what other systems are there in San Francisco? Well, there's a car. Well, we hate that. I mean, oh, my goodness, those cars are causing all these accidents. I hear, look at all the arguments and all, how bad all that is and all the congestion. They're bad. Uh, but we have this nice system that we, we and, and you know what, that nice system, we like it so much to do that. Um, we don't tax it, okay? In fact, we're only going to ask for revenue for the people who use it in the amount of 18% of what it costs us to do that. We're talking okay? about buses. The, right. the, the, the other, the other 82%, the other 82%, we're going to put taxes on these guys. We're going to taxes on those guys. We're going to put taxes on those guys and bring it all together to help these, to give people rides from A to B at time T, give them rides. And GM must be there. Oh my goodness. We thought we were out there trying to put an efficient system to get people from A to B at time T in San Francisco. And we weren't going to charge San Francisco anything for that. We were even going to go out there and compete and do it better than any other people can do it because otherwise they would need to take us. But even Ellen, isn't, isn't this an indication of lack of lack of of involvement lack of engagement on both the parts of san francisco and general motors how can yes! you, how can you be operating in a in a in an in an environment whether it's a city or the, or the state of california and not be aware of the tax requirements how could you as a as a as a city allow <laughs> operation in your in in your under your in your jurisdiction without a clear a clear indication to, to people who are operating in that city that you are going to be subject to tax 
if they've both of these organizations have abrogated their responsibilities. I mean, I don't feel badly for for San Francisco or for for General Motors. I think they're they're both acted totally irresponsibly. And I've said this. I I think the General Motors has acted irresponsibly, irresponsibly with regard to how they dealt with crews. And I think that that San Francisco and the state of California a long time ago should have come to an agreement about what actually was going to be done by whom, that San Francisco shouldn't be just saying, oh, well, the state has the responsibility here and, and all we, ha we have to just lie down and wait for something bad to happen and complain the entire time, which is basically what San Francisco has been doing, and then to come back and say, well, now we're going to get you. You know, now we're going to, now we're really going to nail you. I, I think that, that we can't have that kind of thing. This is sort of Absolutely. a society. I agree. I mean, they're they're all at fault here. Well, Why? Well, and, and one of, the, one I, of your I other lessons I, learned here, Alan, was this is be totally transparent. This is this is the lesson to be learned here. The lesson to be learned here is, I guess, why did they go in San Francisco? They wanted to do a proof of technology. They wanted to do a proof of concept. They wanted to prove that they could do that. The, the curviest road, the toughest hills, the whatever, the do, 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 do. And they wanted to show, oh, look at these. And look how good I am. Without going into the community and saying, hey, here is the thing that we have. Here's the thing that we have. It allows us to write efficiently. It allows us to give trips from A to at time T where in fact there isn't a high demand be demand responsive do it in and do it really inexpensively for people who might appreciate that attribute if they don't appreciate the inexpensive attribute then they're not going to be our customer they they're they're doing fine for themselves do you have any of those? And if so, who are they? And we want to focus on improving their quality of life. Why? Because if they use us, they're improving their quality of life. Otherwise, they wouldn't have used us. They would have stuck their nose up and to come back to, to the to General Motors responsibility in this area. What was Mary Barra talking about? With respect to crews, oh, it's ugly. That by 2030, there were going to be a 50 50 billion dollar operation. Well, she, oh, really? she should have. She should have said, "We're going to give a hundred billion dollars of value to society, and out of that, we might collect half. We're going to let." The other half, the society benefit from that. She failed, failed to say how she was going to earn it. You've got to earn these money, this money. The yep. money she gets from selling a car is because the people who get it get value to that. That's why they give her the money. And exactly. they get this, they improve their life and they're happy about it. Yeah, she exactly. only gave one side of the answer, not the other one, and she led with that. I mean, any, I mean, any politically astute person would lead with 
the value proposition to society. Exactly. And then say, how am I going to deliver that? Well, I, I, I actually can do it. Be people are going to be so happy. They're going to be happy to reach down their pockets and give me their money themselves. And I'm not going to have to ask for 82% subsidy from this, from this, from the city. And in fact, they're going to be so happy. I'm going to be happy to contribute some taxes to the city too, as opposed to sticking it all in my Swiss bank accounts. So there you have Fred. The answer to the question is in terms of transparency. If if anyone, whatever the company, whether it, it seems like General Motors hasn't learned that lesson, but maybe maybe Stellantis can can pop up. Maybe maybe BMW or or you know some other company will be able to say, this is what we're going to do. We've we've learned from the mistakes that have been made. This is how we're going to approach this problem in the future. That's and what I what, hope. One other note that uh, Alan had in his list here was serve a demand that is sustainable. And you've been touching upon that all along here. Yeah. 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 It needs to be sustainable. People, people have to get personal value out of this. You don't consume anything unless, unless you get value out of it. And if the value out of it is, is a, is a selfie, you know, how many selfies do you want to take of yourself in front of a Waymo vehicle? Other, at which point the, the your value proposition goes to zero very quickly. Whereas if it's a darn thing that ends up taking you here, taking you there, da, 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 you use it. You, you want people. You, this is this is an individual focused demand responsive mobility system focused on individuals who will find it because of their helter skelter lifestyles. That every we all have them allows them to consume it a lot. That's something that for them is not so burdensome that they can't afford it. And if they can, my goodness, it's the telephone. It's the iPhone, the, the, you know, it's Schumpeter, the, the disruptive nature of it just, I call Elizabeth in the house. Would it never, I mean, I well, mean, you used to be Alan. That you, you had a, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, you, to, to cut it out. Used to be, you had a phone in the kitchen. Maybe you had some in the bedroom. And if if you were on the phone and somebody picked up in another room, yeah, it was yeah like get I off the phone. Go, get off! Yeah, I'm yeah, on the phone. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah but the, yeah, the, this take, is all different back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> So it, there's it, a, it there's another so, headline, Alan, yeah. from from Tech. Crunch, uh, that says facing roadblocks, China's robo taxi darlings apply the brakes. Losses push China's self driving upstarts to seek new revenue streams. So the, the problems aren't just here. Well, the problem has been the problem has been that this is a very hard, this is very hard, even though one doesn't have to build a whole heck of a lot of infrastructure to make it happen to make the individual vehicle be be safe enough such that anybody is willing to bet the ranch to put it out there is non-trivial. And people are finding out that the smoke and mirrors aren't working and to have enough revenue and enough, re enough resources, one has to have the venture folks involved. And when one has the venture folks involved and that money involved, some of those folks are, are brutal. 
and and so you you need somebody that has sustained deep pockets with with a a missionary zeal to you know save the world to be able to make this sucker happen now whether or not alphabet has that missionary zeal to have the sustainability to make this happen i don't think they've yet seen the market to make it happen you know as we've argued here they're still going after you know the hundred dollar ride you know the hey i'm gonna i'm gonna be better than than folks who you know who where affordability is not the issue okay and sure you can have you 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 might have a louis vuitton type product or cartier or patek philippe or whatever other you know whatever brand that you think is exclusive and do that and you do quite well thank you uh but the chances that you're going to have you know i don't know a, a coke a coca-cola this thing which how does coca-cola make its money i mean you know one drink at a time you know they've got to get you to go in there and buy a 12 pack or a case or whatever you know and and they, they they find somebody who's going to have the wherewithal because this is the rides business. The rides business is a one at a time. You know, it's a it's a slog, and so you have to figure out how do how do you become a McDonald this thing? How do you sell to gazillion or n gazillion or who knows what gazillion hamburgers they're they're up? And you know, a lot of people say, well, we never needed them. I don't know. I guess a lot of people seem to be happy going to McDonald's and buying hamburgers still. And, you know, we can all look over them and say, well, my goodness, you should have Chateaubriand. Um, I don't know. Well, we're heading into 2024, right? So no no doubt a year of political turmoil. But what about transportation, driverless mobility? Um, I'd like to think everybody's going to read the book and say, wow, that's the way it should be done. <laughs> but what are your expectations? Uh, Michael, you go first. I don't know. Or you want me to go first? I don't care. Well, my 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 expectation is that that um, we're, we've got the same group groups of people. We have the, the investors and the manufacturers and the and the, you know, the people who are. <clears throat> we're trying to be become entrepreneurs um but every now and then a, a new concept will make its way in and that new concept can make the difference between something that wouldn't have occurred for maybe another 10 or 15 years happen at that particular time and one of the things that we that we've had during this past year, we haven't mentioned, <clears throat> and it's affected a lot of things post COVID. We've had, a, even though we haven't called them re recession, they are recessions. They're recessions in most countries in Europe. It's not a recession officially in the United States, but we see the effects of that. Less money, meaning less money is being put into things that aren't really generating returns. And I think that's part of why companies like General Motors are pulling back. This was an opportunity to do something. If it were two years ago, maybe they wouldn't have pulled the money out. But now they've got to save some money. They've, you know, they've got a lot of issues that they have 
they have to address like, you know, how are we going to make enough electric cars when, when people don't want to buy electric cars? So I, I think there is, there's going to be a sense that we're going to invest in things, but we have to make sure that those investments that we're making are being made for the right reasons, that people are, that there's a need for it. It's not something that, you know, we can build it and maybe somebody will pick it up and think that it's a great idea to get more people involved in having things that we're, that we're putting into the market. I, I mean, that, that's a hopeful, on my part, given where we are with the war we've got going in two wars, major wars and the extensions of those wars that are that are occurring in various parts of the world. You know, and we're where we are right now, we see them a lot a lot more closely up front, you know, up close and, and personal than maybe in even in Princeton on the Atlantic Ocean. You know, we're not that far from Moscow. You know, the last time I went to Moscow was before the two two thousand fourteen acquisition takeover of Crimea and I would never never go back after that. But it only took a couple of hours to get there. I mean it was like popping from Boston to you know down to, to Washington basically. Um and it's not that far to down to to Israel from here. You know, making the trip down there it's the same time zone. You know, we're 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 close to these things that are going on here. But from a from the standpoint of, of finances I, I think the the recession is going to make a difference in, in where people are putting money. And I think we're beginning to see this, that the point you made about China pulling pulling money out, they're they're not in the same financial situation that they were were in five or five or six years ago, pre-COVID. Um, you know, they're the the money that they're putting into things that they need to see the the same kinds of returns as as other kinds of investors. So I, I think that's going to be a positive thing. That that there is going to be more of a focus on doing things that for which there is a return, and also making sure that that especially in a in a, a year where there's going to be a, an election, uh, putting money in places where we money is doing good. As an example, um, we just had the the Social Democratic Party, who was in in power for for from eight years. And they were they were in a government with the uh, the Green Party. They came out just a month ago or a few few weeks ago saying, you know, we actually did something that we don't think was a good a good idea. We gave money to rich people to buy electric cars. They admitted that. They went out publicly said, we're not criticizing Miliupatia, the the Green Party. They were in government with us. But we went along with with something which turns out not to have been a really good idea. We used tax money that we could we took from lots of people to pay other people to buy electric vehicles. We could have done something better for all of the people rather than focusing on wealthy people and giving them subsidies to do something that maybe we could have done differently. So I think that kind of mentality, that kind of thinking about what it is that we're actually doing is hopefully with the, some indications that I've seen, will start to permeate our, our societies and particularly our governments. Yeah, I'll, I'll add to that, Michael. I think that that is very good. And, and I'll, I'll take a positive look on, on 2024. I'll, I'll say that the lessons learned in San Francisco are really stark 
and out there in everybody's face. Okay. And to me, it is, it's what we point out in the book and so on is that, look, we can do this, but let's focus on places where we should be doing it when where it really provides some value. And look, you folks that are investing your money, why don't you go to those places and look, be careful in terms of where you've looked to do these things up to now and go in there. And instead of going in there and working, you know, to, to, to think that maybe looking at the ultimate, Hey, I've solved a whole world problem. You know, look at the problem that you can fix in the short run that will give you, give the biggest benefit to the community so that the community cooperates with you. You cannot win if you go in there as an invader. Who's ever been able to invade any nation? Oh, I mean, go watch Napoleon. Terrible movie, but go watch Napoleon. I mean, you know, cut it out. Okay. You know, seriously, once you go in there, you're supposed to be helping. You're supposed and create a create a business, create a market proposition such that there is fundamental value to the individuals that are doing it and 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 go for that and, and stop going after the the exclusive brand business and go out there and do like McDonald's did or even Starbucks did, even though that's sort of, you know, pretty damn expensive coffee, but whatever, earn it on each, each ride and look at that and looking, look at, at winning, look at having you be welcomed in the society. You know, I think Waymo did a pretty good job in Chandler and in Arizona, uh, you know, to go in there because one, they had to welcome carpet out for them in the first place and did a reasonable good job of, of working with everybody and keeping everybody um, um, uh, open and so on. And I think the other, you know, positive thing for the coming year, I think that finally we're going to get everybody working together on trying to improve safety instead of competing on safety and making sure that every that everybody is transparent and and is is open you know certainly we had the the example of of um, of um, uh, Tesla, uh, not Tesla, but, but Waymo out there last week or a couple weeks ago, putting out their safety information. And of course, uh, to me, I took my interpretation of the agreement reached by NHTSA and Tesla for the recall of essentially every Tesla to improve uh, the use of autopilot and they get the goofballs and all this people misbehaving and the using of it to behave, I thought was a very positive thing. And the fact that it could be done over the air, trivially, whatever, allows them to go out there and see if it works. And if it doesn't, and there are still people misbehaving, allowed NHTSA and Tesla to go out there and put out another over the air up there that, you know, slap some more people on the wrist and put them in the corner with their dunce cap and take their toy away if they don't use it properly. The system enables that, permits that. And, and I would like to think of that as a 
good working relationship between between the regulator and and the and the and the and the creator let's call it to try to get to a to an equilibrium point in which in which the system delivers value without being misused and i think working together so to me maybe i'm maybe i you know i've consumed too much kool-aid on that one and and look at it too positively but i look at that as i mean just think if gm had to recall all their vehicles to fix something oh my goodness i mean that, that would be a real recall this isn't a real recall this is this is this is what i get on my iphone like twice twice a week or something like that they update they fix something i i guess i've gotten to think i, I haven't i have enough confidence in apple that I, reliability that they're doing this every once in a while i say what the hell are they stealing from me but you know i'm off that one so I looked at that as a positive. You know, apparently Tesla is going to have their own safety update and so on public, publicly, maybe, uh, you know, this coming month in which maybe all this industry can come together and say, not only how do I improve this technology for the folks that are using it as advanced driver assistance systems to get the collision the automatic uh, emergency braking systems to really work. In other words, not to just do collision mitigation, but to do collision avoidance. There's a difference because mitigation means that you're still hitting. And of course, if you're still hitting, then, you know, you still then have lawyers and you have car repair people and who knows what and, and hospitals involved. If you really do automated emergency braking so you don't have collisions, then you don't have any of those things. You, you don't have any ambulances. You don't have any hospitals. You don't have any doctors. You don't have any lawyers. You don't have any car repair places. You don't have any second used parts. You don't have, you don't have, you don't have, which is where it should go. And we've argued, you know, the, the biggest advantage of this technology is to get it to do that. As we know, to do that, you have to be so darn good that you don't have any, essentially any, you know, um, false alarms. And if you have false alarms and people just don't put up with it and then they take it back and they don't buy it and, you know, and therefore it never gets to the market. So it has to work. Kind of the key of both the driverless and the advanced driver assistance systems is they have to work. You can't be using smoke and mirrors. You can't just be using advertising. They have to work. And they have to work means that the probability of something bad happening is extremely small in both situations. That's what makes them hard. Yeah. But I'm optimistic that we'll get better. I guess I have to be, and I'm optimistic that our book, that people will read it and see that. My goodness, maybe it will change. All we need to do is change one mindset. All we need is one. Look, if you look at electric traction and the growth of electric traction in the United States, you know, you 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 had the you had the success in Richmond, Virginia. Boom. Everybody wanted to do it. 
guess what? Nobody wants to do San Francisco. Nobody. I don't well, think. But- I mean, you got to be crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope no venture capitalists. Nobody with their own money would want to do it. So as you said, the book, it's called book. The Real Case for Driverless Mobility, coming very soon. Michael, thank you once again for joining us, wishing you a very healthy and happy year ahead. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to both you, Fred, you, Alan. Yeah, we might make it to 24. Unbelievable, huh? Oof. Just, just a day away. Yeah, website. and we got the book, and I should also point out that we still, you know, we're going to do the summit. We're going to do the summit uh, at the end of May, uh, May of uh, 29th through 31st and um, in Princeton, and we'll be discussing these things. Um, uh, I guess we have a bunch of people that we know that will discuss it with us. Hopefully, we'll have a few new people who will say, and, and hopefully we'll have some people who say, hey, why don't we try this? How much is this really going to cost us? What was it costing General Motors each day to do San Francisco, beating their head against the wall? I guess, I don't know, but maybe they think we're just crazy and I don't know. Pinhead academics or who knows what or stuck in the Princeton bubble, not seeing the world. Love being in the Princeton bubble. (laughs) Well, Michael's across the, across the ocean in the website for the dispatchers, Michael L. Senna, S-E-N-A.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com. Also Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you turn to for podcasts. Find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Happy New Year, and please continue to stay safe. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone.